we did a couple of prayers, and as we were praying, there were those of you that were there that were saying, amen, yes, Jesus. You were kind of joining in on the prayer, and there was um, the captain said, I like the way you guys pray. Like, you guys are engaged. You guys are involved. And so just know, it's the same thing. When your pastor's up here preaching, I love it when I hear that you're engaged. When you say, yes, that's a good word, amen, or ha, 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 you laugh, make my corny dad jokes. It makes me feel good. So um, the, more, the more you respond and engage and get involved, the better I enjoy it, and hopefully the more you enjoy it. Um, really quick, probably a bad analogy. I remember there was a movie I saw in high school. It was my most fun movie experience. I won't say what movie it is because I probably shouldn't say that I saw that movie. Um, but <laughs> it was one of my most enjoyable movie experiences because everybody in the audience would like scream when, the, when there'd be a pop-out thing or whatever it was and people were laughing, people were grabbing each other, people were hiding under their, each other and it just made it more enjoyable instead of just watching it all by myself. It was this room full of people that were all engaged and like responding to everything. And so I love that we are a church that does that, that you guys don't fall asleep. It's okay if you fall asleep in the pews. I said this on Wednesday. I've fallen asleep on many of those pews. Uh, as a kid, I mean, even as the pastor, I've come in here to pray and I just fall asleep on the pew. So if you fall asleep, guess what? I beat you to it. I've already fallen asleep on a lot of those prayers, all those pews. So it doesn't bother me, but I love when you're engaged and you're not falling asleep. Um, this morning, I love if you didn't notice when you came in, things are looking different every time we come in here. And um, there is something written right here, and this will eventually get covered up with drywall, and you won't see it anymore, but it'll forever be written on the foundation here. And uh, I want us to look at something. In just a second, I'll tell you where this is. You don't have to turn there yet. But it's in Isaiah 58. We'll get there in a second. We'll read the verse. Um, but the idea is I want you to know, oh, I meant to tell the kids before they left. All you parents, when we finish, make sure you don't get your kids and just leave. Bring your kids in here because at the end, there's Sharpies and there's all kinds of things. I want every little kid's John Hancock. I want their names written up here somewhere so that when they grow up in the church, they say, my name is under there somewhere. It's like right there. I want you to have an opportunity to write prayers, um, Bible verses. If you come here, there's already several Bible verses written. People are getting head starts. Um, but I would love for everyone to take ownership of what God is doing. That even if you were not excited about the bricks coming down, can I just say this? There was someone... I, won't, I try not to give away who it was. Someone that's been in this church longer than me. I've been here for 30 years, and they've been here more than double that. Let's just say that. So that kind of whittles it down already. Um, but they weren't the biggest proponents and excited about the bricks coming down. But last Sunday when they saw the kind of things being framed out, they came to me after service. And they said, Pastor, I feel like the, the stage and the platform being widened and it's kind of angled, it looks like arms stretched out to give me a big wide hug. And I was like, oh, you have no idea how good that makes me feel. That someone from an older generation that has tons of memories of these bricks was saying, you know what? I can embrace the good things that God's doing. And so that encouraged me. Another thing that encouraged me is someone else that's been at this church more than double, but a different person said they came in on Wednesday and they smelled. Did you guys smell the wood when you came in? They smelled the wood and they saw all these things being cut. And they said, you know what? Pastor Stiles, the founding pastor, would love what's going on here would love how things are being shaped and what's going on. And those things, they just, they're, they are, I don't know, music to my ears in hearing those things that the former generations and the new generations are in on what God is doing. You don't have to, you don't, might be your preference. I, I told my wife last night as we were painting this, I feel weird being this high. It seems a little, like Daniel said, like he's getting lightheaded from being in the high altitude up here. Um, it's, it's a little strange. It's a little foreign to me right now. But I wrote that word because that's a word God gave me. It wasn't just my own Ryan's intellect that said we should raise the stage. We should raise the platform. We should make the foundations higher. 
No, it was something God told me. And so I'm telling myself, okay, it might seem funny, it might seem weird, but God said, raise the foundation. God said, raise the foundation. So there's things, man, I, you're stuck with movie quotes. I get, I, I've quoted this one before too. Another movie, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what movies I watch, but Hitch, anyone ever seen Hitch? Um, it's pretty funny. It's for adults. It's not for little kids. Um, but in this movie, Hitch, he's trying to help people in their dating life. And there's a guy that um, he goes, it says, it says this, the guy has brand new shoes and he's looking at his shoes that he's wearing. He says, yeah, I just don't know if these shoes are me or not. And Hitch, the guy that's trying to help him says, you bought the shoes. You're wearing the shoes. You look great in the shoes, right? And it's kind of one of those things you have to tell yourself sometimes. So there's things like I'm telling you, I'm up here, I'm like, oh, I feel it's kind of funny, but God, you said raise the foundation. So I'm gonna gain confidence. I'm gonna gain boldness in what you say, God. Not in what I think, not in what I feel, but what you say. These are all throwaways. These are nowhere in my sermon this morning, but hopefully it's for somebody other than me just preaching to myself this morning that sometimes God tells you something and you've got to stand in it. You've got to put it on. You've got to wear it, even though it might feel clunky. Just get used to the things that God is doing and you'll grow into it. You'll grow into it. So that's a good word for somebody other than this pastor up here. Um, so Isaiah 58, 12. This is where we're going. We'll, we'll read it really quick. This is where I got this phrase from. Isaiah 58, 12 says this. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. I'm going to read it in another translation uh, in uh, the message, which is a paraphrase. It says it this way. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins rebuild and renovate make the community alive so good so good and what i want to focus in on is right raise the foundation and i'm going to say of generations raise up the foundations of generations and i want to hit kind of two things on that raise up the foundations of generations past raise up the generations of, of those that are to come behind us and i was thinking about this the idea of kind of raising the generation, raising the foundations, it made me think of when I went to Israel several years ago. Um, if you go there, you see that actually it's not just Israel, it's not just Jerusalem, but if you go to any old city, um, you'll see that as civilization, generation comes and generation comes, they build on top of the previous generation. As things crumble and fall down, they build on top of that and then they build on top. And there's layers of all these things. In fact, I think I have a slide. Um, raise the foundations. There's a, a picture of Jerusalem. This is right outside um, the old city walls. I don't know if you can kind of tell, but... There's things, there's over thousands of years, people have lived there and they just kind of build on top and build on top and build on top. So the current Temple Mount is actually way higher than the Temple Mount that was there when King Solomon was there. And so there's this idea that, uh, there's another picture, right? As they're excavating, they're just finding more and more. This is a, a, just several years ago, they found another basement. It, it's been there for thousands of years. They just discovered this, that even below what they thought was the lowest surface, there was actually hewn out stone and there was a basement. So there's just things that we find out there's generations that have gone before us. And there's this idea that we can build on top of our previous generations. Does it mean that we think less of our previous generations, that they did things wrong? No, it's just all the things that they gained and they earned, they did and they accomplished, it's for our own resource. It's for us to take and keep building and going further, go higher, right? That's the idea. I was thinking about, maybe you're not intrigued, but I went to Bible college and I had to take church history and there's things really quick, I won't bore you with all the data, but if you guys know a thousand years ago, right? So that's like 2000 years ago, the church was born. 
roughly, right? A thousand years ago, that's when the church was building cathedrals all over the place. The church was expanding. It had partnered with governments. You can say it was good and bad. There was all kinds of stuff that was going on with that. But the church had so much influence. It influenced the government, influenced architect, culture, and they were building these huge cathedrals that we can still visit today. It took hundreds of years to build these cathedrals. And so this is kind of what's known a thousand years ago. The church was just prominent in society. And then 500 years later, or we'll say 500 years ago from today, 500 years ago was the Protestant Reformation. There was all this melding into society, but things had become religious. Things had not become personal. And so Martin Luther, as you guys know, wrote his thesis, nailed it 500 years ago, and then people realized, and that's the same time the Gutenberg Bible, the printing press came out, and people could read scripture for themselves and find out I could talk to God without a mediator, just Jesus being my mediator, not a priest or someone at church. I could have my personal relationship with God. And the church exploded in personal relationships with God. And it was good. So 1,000 years ago, 500 years ago, 250 years ago was the great reformation, right? Uh, no, the, the, the great awakening. The great awakening. We're here in England and in America. America wasn't quite America yet. And there was George Whitfields, right? All these different people that um, were bringing a great reformation. I'm just kind of giving you a really quick church history of all the things we're coming from, right? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. People needed to know there was a God. They needed to have the fear of God. The fear of God had kind of left and departed. And so they were bringing these things back into our society, right? Um, in America, we started building Yales and Harvards. There were seminaries that we Christians invented college universities, right? We started saying people need to get educated in God's word and be trained to be missionaries to go share the gospel around the world. And missionary societies exploded in this, right? This is just 250 years ago, kind of going, I'm cutting in halves, right? 100 years ago. It was the birth of what we call Pentecostalism, right? The idea that, man, the spirit of God broke out, Azusa Street Revival. There was all kinds of revivals where people were understanding, wait a second, the gifts of the spirit are for today? And these things were being born. Um, if you look, kind of going, what, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, Jesus, people movement, right? This church, Osmond Church, boomed in the 70s. It's where the two-story building was erected. Ministries exploded here at Osborne. I was, I'm just kind of cut in half, cut in half, cut in half. And I loved, as I said, um, Pentecostal, just the idea that the gifts of the Spirit, you could read every research. The fastest growing denomination in the world is people that are believing in all the gifts. In all the third world countries, in China and all these places, they're realizing that we need the gift of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be led by the Spirit, right? So there's this idea that Every generation, we're kind of getting more revelation. We're getting more knowledge. Does it mean we're better than? Am I better than George Washington? No way. I love and revere and honor our forefathers and all these people in our church history. At the same time, I know for a fact, as I heard a previous generation say, Pastor Stiles would be happy with what's going on right here. I know for a fact George Washington, as much as there's things that are going wrong in our nation, there's things that he's seen the church do that they're coming alive. They're understanding how to have a personal relationship with God. There's things that our forefathers would be excited and happy about. Yes, there's things like we can look and realize all the negative things, but I choose to fix my eyes on what God is doing, right? It's on the walls right over here. It says that, that Jesus will build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. There are things the enemy is attacking the church like crazy, but the reality is, Christ is building his church. He is our cornerstone. He is our firm foundation, right? He is these things. But there's things that he's telling us from generation to generation, we need to go higher. We need to grow and learn from. We need to honor and revere all these things. I, I love 
that God, in his infinite wisdom, not in this pastor's own intellect, he picked today to be a special day, right? It's Veterans Day. We're celebrating Veterans Day. It was yesterday, but this is our Sunday. We get to honor it. We're remembering those people that have already served our nation, and we're honoring them. We're looking at the past, and we're bringing honor to that. We're thanking God for all the foundations that have gone before us. And I love that I didn't have this planned out. My dad wasn't smart enough to plan this all out. I'm saying it's the Holy Spirit. All this wood that's up here was installed yesterday. Two days ago, you could not write anything on here because the wood wasn't installed yet. This week, drywall is going to cover all this up. A new floor is going to go on top of this subfloor. Next Sunday, you won't be able to write on all the wood. It happened for such a perfect time as this. God is saying that we can raise the foundations, we can invest and recognize that God has given us a great foundation to build on, but we are to raise the foundation for the previous generation coming after us. So here's what I'm saying. I've shared this several times. I don't think I ever heard a pastor, my dad, anyone ever say this before, but something was birthed inside of me when my kids were born, and we took them from the hospital and brought them home, and I prayed over them in their own room for the first time. It just came out of my mouth, all four of my kids. God, I just want them to outdo me in every way. I want to, I want to invest and pour and give all my resources to this child. I want them to get the best of me. I want them to get all of my good traits and all of my wife's good traits and all my fears and anxieties and all my hangups and all my whatever failures. God, I don't want them to get any of those. I just want them to get all the good that comes out of my life, and I want them to go even further. I want to create a higher plat for them, for them to go higher. For them to have, I mean, I, I tell my kids, man, growing up, this is not a slam. My parents didn't have central air or heat. We grew up with no air conditioning. All my cars growing up, my parents, the first cars I owned, the first three cars I owned as a kid, as a teenager, didn't have air conditioning. And I'm telling my kids, man, every car you've ever owned in our, in our family has air conditioning. You guys have a more blessed life than I do. And I give it to them like a hard time. But the reality is, I'm proud of that. I'm proud that my kids have more than I had as a kid. Is it a slam on my parents? Not at all. I'm, I tell you all the time, where this idea came from that I say I'm God's favorite, I know you're God's favorite too. But where that thought first came into my mind was not when I was a pastor. Not after I married the prettiest woman on the face of the planet. Not after I had kids. Is when I was a kid myself. In junior high, living under my parents' authority, I realized I have the best parents in the world. I have three older sisters who all love God, and they love me, and they're proud of me at school. They encourage me. I show up to school, and I feel like I'm the popular kid because I have all these high school sisters that love on me and encourage me. And I feel like, man, I look at, I look at our, where we live in life, and we're in Southern California. Just as, a, as this junior high 12, 13-year-old kid, I just realized I was so blessed I was so blessed because my parents had given me everything. I'm sharing all this because this is my heart as a pastor. I am focused on the next generation. Does it mean I don't care about previous generations? Then you don't know my heart. You don't know what I'm saying. I am so thankful that I was raised in this church. I am so thankful that Pastor Stiles, I knew him, and as a little kid got to give him hugs in this very sanctuary. I'm so thankful that I got to go visit Patty Styles when I became the pastor. And I got to go say, Patty, is there anything that you want to keep on as a tradition? And she's Ryan, she knew me since I was a kid. Ryan, you're the pastor. 
I bless you and I anoint you to do whatever God tells you to do. These are things I tell you, what pastor has that? What pastor gets to be the actual pastor of a church he grew up in and has love and value for all those that have gone before him? That's not because I earned that or because I forged my way to have this honor. God just gifted me to be here at a time where I could learn and know who the founding pastor was. That I'm not getting rid of everything he did and he put in bricks, I'm gonna get rid of that. No, it's all this honor and love for all that he accomplished. And I know as a good dad, he wants me to go further. He wants me to go further than he ever went. Is that arrogant to say no? With fear and trepidation, I stand here as a pastor saying, God, help me. Help me. He raised the bar so high. How can I outdo Pastor Styles In my own strength, I can't. In my own wisdom, in my own giftedness, I can't. But I know the same spirit that was in Pastor Styles is the same spirit that's in me. And greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. It's with zero arrogance, I promise you. I, I pour my heart out before God all the time. God, search my heart. If there be pride and arrogance, God, I don't want to offend you. It says you resist the proud. I, have, I can't say that I know for a fact, but I promise you, often I come before the Lord and I don't ever want to be arrogant. If anything, I struggle with confidence, not too much arrogance. Hmm. I was going to say this at the end, but I'm going to say it now. I have some things I wrote down that I want to say. Hmm. I refuse to be so future-minded that I don't have a heart of gratitude and honor for those who have gone before us. But I also refuse to be so past-minded that I don't joyfully expect and attempt great things for those who are coming behind me. I will build on what was handed to me. And I will build so that those coming will have even more. I will appreciate what was already built, but I refuse to not go higher. I will raise the foundations of generations. I'm going to say that again. I will raise the foundations of generations. Our God is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Says it all throughout the Old Testament. Why is it said that way? Because he's a God of generations. He's a God of family. He's a God who remains faithful to every generation. And Abraham, read the story. Abraham was so in love with his son. And he wanted to make Isaac have everything more than he ever had. Isaac loved Jacob. He blessed him and anointed him. Gave him Jacob, outdid Isaac. The idea is that Isaac was, that Jacob became Israel, right? His name was changed to Israel. And Israel was called to be a blessing to the nations. God said, I'll bless you so that you can bless the nations. You and I, I know it's kind of a cliche, right? We take it from Esther. We were born for such a time as this. We were born in human history with generations having gone before us, establishing, building things. But God is saying, I put you in this generation to prepare the next generation. I've got young kids that are, I mean, I can't tell you. I, I say I don't want pride, but I've got a lot of healthy pride as a dad looking up here, seeing my kids lead worship, playing instruments, doing sound, doing these things that they're already starting to invest in their own walk with the Lord. But I'm telling you, I see my own kids investing in their kids, my future grandkids. 
As we took apart this physical platform and removed everything, we actually got to see that there was previous platforms built. It wasn't just the one that we took down. There was many iterations that had gone before. And each time, it got bigger. It got wider. It got further. It probably got higher. This is the Lord's cry. In Isaiah 54, let's read it. In Isaiah 54, he says this. I, I know some of it, but I want to read the whole thing. Find it. It's coming up. There we go. I'll read it from there. Oh, no, I found it. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. My cry is that this is not a platform just for performance and just for people that are up here to be elevated. My cry is that this is owned by all of us as a church. This is our altar. When I say altar, can I tell you, when they put the first two by four here, I knelt down and I prayed and I was like, this is the perfect height. I knelt and it's like right there, this is an altar. This isn't just a platform on a stage, this is a new altar. Today, we get to christen, dedicate, consecrate, whatever big words you want to put, we get to celebrate and anoint this new altar. I promise I'm going to end early and I'm going to encourage everyone, you get to do what you want to do. Maybe it's to kneel and to pray. I have oil down here. Maybe you take a, a vial of oil, put some on your finger and anoint the threshold, the doorsteps, the, the, the steps, the door, doorway, this, the, whatever you want. Just take oil, own it. Anoint things in prayer. Write prophetic words out. There's enough room for everyone to write something down. There's Sharpies up here. I'm going to encourage you. I'll probably give you instructions again at the end as the kids come in. You can write on anything that has a wood surface. And I say up here, not the wood on your pews, not the walls over there. Like the, the raw wood, anywhere there's raw wood, I want you to fill up with your writings. In fact, if the kids, like I said, just write their names just so they own it. Because this is something I, I loved hearing the stories. I don't even, someone here is older than me, have to remind me. It's long gone, but there was a footstep of Kathy. Kathy Styles, one of Pastor Jack's kids, when they were putting literally the beams up, she had stepped in the sawdust and all the dust that was created. And before they put it up, that plank was on the ground and her bare foot with no shoes on had stepped on it and it got installed and you could still see her dust footprint for decades and decades and decades right there. And I remember as a kid being told that and barely being able to see it. I thought it was so cool. Oh man, when she was a kid and now she's an adult and has her own kids and now she has grandkids and there's still a lasting impact that she was a part of what God was doing here. You have an opportunity to put your names, to write prayers, to, to cry tears, whatever it is, to anoint things, to be a part of what God is doing for generations to come. I don't know if that excites you, but it excites me. We live in an exciting time. Hmm. I talked about church history and different things. I don't want to bore you with all of that, but can I just tell you a little bit of what I see? Future generations, like I said, I saw my own flesh and blood up here. But I see this platform filled with young people. I see dancing taking place. I know dancing can take place down here, but I see prophetic acts of worship. I see people running 
like in Billy Graham Crusades, I see people running down the center aisle to give their life to Christ. I see people falling, like Jen knelt down on a few saw. There was dust on her knees as she got up. I see people falling on their face before God, the presence of God coming so thick in this place that all we can do is just respond in our faces. I see God doing new things. Things, can I say, it's not with arrogance. I grew up in this church. It's not a love and a, a devaluing of all that has taken place in my life. And I, I, dedica- I dedicated all four of my kids in this platform with the bricks. I got pictures of my kids being you know, held in the pastor's arms with the bricks. I have tons of fond memories, but it doesn't mean I'm brokenhearted. It means I'm all the more excited for what God is going to do. And I just want to challenge you. I don't think there's a lot of us, but I just felt like I needed to say it. When they laid the foundations of the second temple, the temple that Jesus was going to come visit one day, you guys remember Solomon's temple was destroyed and they were all exiled to Babylon and Assyria. And then they were coming back and they began, the, the remnant started coming back and they started building things. And it was, they didn't have the resources, they didn't have all the skill, but they began to build and it was way smaller way less gold, way less fancy things being used to build the second temple. And it says while it was being built, they could hear people, the audience, the people, the crowd, as people gathered to watch it. The young generation was crying for joy. All they known was captivity. And they were now home, and they had a place where they could worship. And the older generation, they could hear cries and lamenting that it's not what it used to be. Can I encourage you? And I'm saying I'm the older generation, so I'm not talking to those people. I'm saying I'm older. Let's not be found crying and weeping for sorrow. Let's be excited that we got to be a part of what God did in the past. We are being used by God right now, and we are raising the foundations for the next generation. We're excited, right? As I said, maybe it didn't look the way that that older generation didn't like the way. Well, it doesn't look like the way it used to. But I believe there was older generations that were saying, yeah. But God said that the Messiah is going to come in this second temple. So I don't care what it looks like in the physical. I know that spiritually, this second temple is going to be greater than the first temple. I believe there was an older generation that wasn't just found weeping. They were rejoicing. They didn't know it would be Jesus. But Jesus was going to visit this next temple. I encourage you. I'm just trying to say with as much love and affection I can. If you're an older generation, this is hard for you to celebrate what God is doing. Step into it. Lean into it. Be excited for what God is going to do in the next generation. Can I be bold even this way, right? Even when this church was first built over 70 years ago, there was no drums. There was no electric guitars. It was organ only, right? Things had to change. Does it mean that it's better and the, la- the old was wrong? I'm about to hit a sensitive subject right here. 70 years ago, the only songs sung in this sanctuary were hymns. Was that mean it was better or worse? Just different. I love hymns. Like I tell you all the time, my kids, they fell asleep for the first 10 years of their life listening to nothing but hymns. I love hymns. But I'm okay to step into the next generation and allow young people to lead us in worship that aren't hymns. That might offend some of you, but I just need to know I'm a transitionary pastor. Like, I love the old, 
but I'm not going to cling to the old and not allow the next generation to build and go higher. I love, I know this is probably throwaway facts, I love that when I was a kid, Christian music was kind of like in its beginnings, like Amy Grant and like people like, oh my goodness, she's singing, it sounds like secular music and it's Christian and people like, I don't know if we can listen to that, it sounds like secular music, right? I love that Christian music has exploded over my lifetime. The quality has increased everywhere. But I love that just in the last like five years, if you look at Christian music, I don't even know, I'm, I asked Daniel, like top 40 Christian music, the top 10, 40 normally are worship songs. It's not just like baby, baby, you know, Amy Grant type music, right? <laughs> it's actually worship music. I love that. This generation loves to worship. So this isn't a platform for them just to perform music. No, I believe we raised, a, we raised this platform for youth to have more room to bring more instruments, things that might offend us, to have more dancers up here, things that like, oh, I don't like that. Get used to different. I'm raising a foundation for the next generation. I want this church. I, I love that Patty Styles. that was one of the cornerstones of this church, right? Music. Music, ministry, missions, right? Music. Patty Siles, she was kind of on the forefront. She brought drums in before a lot of the church brought drums in, right? As I don't know all the story, but I know Andre Crouch came and sang here, right? Gospel music with all these white people, right? All these things that she was doing, she loved it. I'm telling you, that is in my DNA. I had no idea I was going to get stuck on music for a little while, but I guess for me, quickly, I'll, I'll say here. When I say foundations, I had to recreate our mission statement when I became the pastor. Because the old was wrong and bad and faded? No. God brought a new pastor that's linked to the past but is bringing us into the new. And so instead of music, I brought in worship, word, ministry. We this is our, here's our mission statement in case you don't know it. We pursue a relationship with God by embracing his promises, encountering his presence, and empowering his people. We are raising the foundations of those three pillars of this church. The worship is not just physically elevated in this room. We are to spiritually elevate worship in this room. We are to join heavenly choirs. I believe there's someone in this room that's heard angel choirs singing in this room. I believe it won't just be one person. I believe it's going to be infectious. We're going to hear angel choirs. We're going to join with all of heaven, and we're going to be able to hear all of heaven join our worship. We're elevating our worship. I believe the word of God. I'm not saying I'm a better preacher than Pastor Styles or Pastor Stan. I'm just saying the revelation of God, it will go forth and it will not return void. It will accomplish what it was set to do. That has nothing to do with me being a better preacher. We're just elevating God's word, and it's going to perform more of what God wants it to do. We're going to elevate ministry. Ministry is not going to happen just on the platform. You, we're going to equip the saints for the working of the ministry. Ministry is going to happen, yes, here on the platform, yes, down here below, but yes, in the pews, and yes, at the workplace, and on the streets, and everywhere you go, ministry is going to increase. We're raising the standard. We're raising the foundations of what we build our lives on. So I've said those are the cornerstones. Those are the, the foundations, the pillars, right? Worship, word, ministry. I believe this is a prophetic act. This platform got physically raised, and I'm, I'm still telling you, it seems weird being this high. But I know it's what God wants, and I'm willing to step into the new. 
I'm willing to step in and to try, take risk. God, if I want elevated worship, that means I'm going to try things I've never done before. I'll pull a Pastor Nick and try to do ballet or something. I don't know. I'll try whatever, whatever it takes to elevate my passion. Elevating the word of God. If it means I need to study more, I'll study more. If it means I just need to be on my face with no notes, I'll do that. Whatever it takes to elevate the word of God so that it goes forth in power. That it resonates within you. That it changes you. That it's, it's those good seeds that find good soil. And it produces 10, 30, 100 fold. And I'll say this, ministry. Trusting you to do ministry. Not just trusting the pastor to do all the ministry in this room. We're going to elevate ministry here. You're going to be equipped. There's going to be a love and an honor where ministry is just going to explode in this place. Hmm. All right. I want to make sure I land early so we can get the kids in here and they can join the end of worship to do this. But let's see, I quoted those. You know what? I think I said it. I'm going to say it and then you have to say it. I will raise the foundations of generations. I will raise the foundations of generations. I loved it. I'm just being a proud dad. Loudest, loudest person in the room, my youngest child. I think, I mean, I don't want to be like this, everything's prophetic, but I think that's prophetic. As a dad, as a pastor of this church, as a spiritual father, I just, I'm pouring my heart out. I don't have all these notes and this great eloquent sermon, but I'm trying to give you my heart. I want all of you to go further than I'll ever go. And you know how encouraging that was to hear my youngest son say it louder than his dad up on stage. That's my heart. I want to see you do more than ever I will do. I want you to preach the word of God better than I'll ever preach. I want you to be worshipers better than I'm a worshiper. Hmm. But there's got to be a partnership. Can I just say this? It's got to be done. It's got to be over with today. I said the very first day I became the pastor, I tried to be lighthearted and say, if you don't like what I preach, it's your fault, right? I'm a product of this church. I said it tongue in cheek. But then I said this. I said, some of my focus is from the nursery to the young adults. I think it's an extreme minority, but it just needs to be completely dealt with. There were some that are older than me that have felt in that statement, and maybe felt for the last 10 years, that I have less honor and appreciation and value and ministry towards the older generation. I apologize if I've communicated that because it's not in my heart. I have great value and honor for the older generation. But I know that God has called me to be a dad of both, the older and the younger. But I've got to have the older get my heart and buy in on the younger generation. It can't be the younger generation that's doing all the leading and trying to get the older generation to follow them. It's got to be the older generation that says, we freely let you have risk and try things and we'll promote you and we'll bless you, we'll, we'll support you in everything you do. There's got to be a buy-in from the older generation that we love and value the younger generation, and we're going to let them try things. And we're not going to ridicule them. We're not going to nag them. 
Because I'm telling you, there's been prophetic words that the younger generation is going to bring a revival in this church. Hmm. I'll just say this. You're definitely nowhere in my pre-thinking before I got up here. This last Wednesday, I don't know, I wasn't in there, but I heard the worship team that's being built right now with all these youth, that worship took off this last Wednesday. They, they sang the three songs they prepared and had practiced. Pastor Jake had to step out for a second, and they were done. Look at each other, what do we do? And they took ownership, and they said, well, let's just keep singing. Let's just sing a new song. Let's sing maybe another song we know. And they began to lead worship without any adults telling them what to do. And the presence of God filled that warehouse in a powerful way. This isn't a ridicule. This isn't a slam. This is just me being honest, speaking the truth in love. I experienced some of the same things 11 and 12 years ago when I was a youth pastor. The presence of God was powerful in that warehouse. And when I came in here and I tried to, to lead the same way, I didn't feel I had the same freedom. And I'm not slamming anybody. I'm just saying I'm speaking the truth in love. Hear my heart. It became harder for me to lead an older generation. And I'm confessing with you, there was times I told my wife, man, on Wednesday nights, man, I wish I was back in the youth group. The presence of God was so much easier. Why is it so hard in here? And I'm saying that's being dealt with today. It's over. There is no religion. There is no older generation. I'm pointing myself squashing what God wants to do. Like children, we will enter the kingdom of God. Out of mouths of infants and babes, he has perfected praise. Ooh, hello. So I, I don't know, man. I, there's lots of things I was saying that I had no idea I was going to say. But I think it's, it's critical that not just the little kids come in here and write their names so that generations to come like Kathy Styles' footprints, they'll have their mark. It's critical that the older generation buys in on what God is doing. The older generation, you need to write prophetic words here. You need to, like I said, feels like the stage is a big white arm that wants to give you a hug. That Pastor Styles' old generation loves what's going on up here. There needs to be a buy-in on what God is doing. Is that making sense? So I'm going to encourage you as we close. Hopefully, I'll have you parents go get your kids and bring them back in. As I said, there's oil, there's Sharpies. Come kneel, come right anywhere you want. We'll turn some lights on, raise the, the screen. I encourage you, as you come up, there's, I think there's only like 30 Sharpies. So write something, and if you're thinking about what you want to write next, can you go put the Sharpie back in the basket so someone else can grab it? And then while you write down your verse or prayer, when you're done, put it back in the basket. That way people can think and look up verses and find out what they want to do and pray in between. But I would love for you to mix and mingle. You're coming forward, and I'm telling you, enjoy it. I know there's a lot of you. Walk up the baptistry steps. Walk up these steps. Walk up these steps. Kneel here. Like, this is yours. This isn't just like the pastors and the, and the worship teams. This is yours. Come take ownership of it. Walk around everywhere. Touch things. Pray over it. Anoint it. Enjoy it. Own it. But would you, as you get up out of your pews in just a second, would you do something where you join the older and the younger generation? 
If you're older than me, then find someone younger than me to bless, to hug and say, man, I'm so glad you're part of the church family. If you're younger than me, find someone older than you to say, I honor you. Like on Veterans Day, we honored veterans. Just honor those that have gone before you and have paved the way for you to enjoy the blessing of this church. We are a blessed church, amen? We are blessed, we are blessed. Can I say it this way? As a 12-year-old, I thought I was God's favorite. When I look at other churches, I say, man, Osborne must be God's favorite church. I'm just gonna say it again. God, in his favor and kindness, had the federal government pay for us to get a new upgrade. It wasn't even your tithes and offerings. It was just God saying, here you go. Here's a new stage. Here's a new platform. How can you not think we're God's favorites? So good. So I'll say a quick prayer. You guys know what to do. Find someone older, younger than you. Bless them. Come grab some Sharpies. Pray. Enjoy your new platform, your new altar. So God, I thank you. I thank you that you have called us to honor those that have gone before us, to recognize that you are taking us higher. You're building up, God. You are the great builder. You're the great architect. Just as we say in our own lives, we are the clay, you're the potter. God, you get to mold us and make us. God, you're doing that in the church over the last thousands of years. You're behind the scenes shaping things, creating things. God, would you continue that good work? You who started a good work, would you be faithful to bring it to a mature completion here at Osborne? Perfect those things which concern us, God. We choose to partner with you. We choose to buy in on all the things you're doing. God, we love you and we're grateful. And all God's people said, amen. Would you stand? Love on someone older, younger than you. Come grab a Sharpie. Come enjoy. Come get up on stage.